We went from zero COVID to, oh, now everyone has COVID. This has been a really scary time for our breastfeeding and pregnant communities. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Carmen, and I'm a certified breastfeeding counselor. And I'm Ruth Green, an international birth doula. And this is the Having a Baby in China podcast. As a reminder, nothing shared on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. One should always seek advice from their own medical provider. Welcome back to the Having a Baby in China podcast. It has been a very interesting week in China. <laughs> oh yeah, to say the least. <laughs> Jacqueline has firsthand no. knowledge of what's been going on. Yeah, uh, we went from zero COVID to oh now everyone has COVID. So yeah, if you can hear in my voice, I am recovering from COVID myself. Yeah, somehow my family has not gotten it. Although, if we still haven't gotten it by the time this podcast is live, I will be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> For those outside of China, about the, we're recording on the eighteenth of December, and what was it about ten days ago that China started removing their restrictions? Maybe about two weeks that the first restrictions were starting to get a bit loosened, but they. Man, they pulled, they ripped that bandaid off fast. It it kind of took、yeah. all of us by surprise. We went from, you know, scanning everywhere that we went. You know, every car you take, every bus you take, every restaurant that you enter. Yeah, taking COVID tests every other day, or oh, it was every day here. Yeah, we had COVID tests every single day. You know, and and limitations on travel and all sorts of stuff to pretty much like no limitations. And COVID spread fast. So in my city, if the numbers that I'm told are correct, about a million and a half or more people got it in one week. About twenty percent of the population in in just my city. So, and my city's not even like we're like a tier two city. So, yeah. And you know, based on all of my friends, that seems like a pretty accurate number. We have a lot of friends that are down with COVID. So, well, in our In our community and our company, our company, which in when I say is community, I think it's like seventy percent. Really, people got sick. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And、so、you know, we're limping along. <laughs> for for a lot of us, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, it's not a big deal." You know, I'm I'm healthy. It's basically like you know anywhere from like it's a cold to it's like a bad flu, but it's nothing you know super terrible. But this has been a really scary time for our breastfeeding and pregnant communities. Yeah, I mean, if you know, definitely with the tight restrictions, and you know, we haven't really been exposed. If you've been in China, let's so I. I haven't left China since, you know, my family and I went on vacation in December of 2019, and then we came back, like January 1st or 2nd of 2020, and we haven't left China since then. So I think there's a lot of other people kind of in similar boats that, you know, we haven't been outside of the country and been exposed to COVID. So. Yeah, this is kind of our first personal, you know, touch with with the sickness and yeah, 
Yeah, so we wanted to take some time because there's so many questions that have been popping up in our different WeChat groups, private messaged us and everything. And we wanted to take some time to address specifically the concerns to these groups of people. So tonight we are focusing on breastfeeding and COVID, and we are hoping to have a doctor on in the next few days to talk about pregnancy and COVID. So Jacqueline is our breastfeeding specialist tonight. So I'm going to take some time to interview her. <laughs> um, yeah. So thank you, Jacqueline. Let's talk about breastfeeding <laughs> and COVID. And I just want to say thanks, Jacqueline, because I know you have been sick with COVID yourself and that you're still taking the time to, you know, read the research and be prepared and, you know, think on these things and look up the answers to these questions that I've prepared on top of being sick, because I know it is just a really difficult time for these people that are, yeah, were unex, you know, none of us were expecting it. I think that's kind of been the shocking thing. I mean, we knew that eventually COVID would kind of sweep through, but I mean, we were really hoping, let's say like we were hoping, I'll, I'll tell you, it, the days were getting long and my patience was definitely, you know, you mean we were hoping for the restrictions hoping, to be lifted? Yes. We yes. were hoping for the day that one day this would be lifted. But again, like, yeah. I don't know that anyone, I, in my wildest dreams. That it would happen it so would fast, actually right? happen. Yeah. <laughs> and it just like, seriously, 180, like, yeah. whiplash, like, what in the world? And we're kind of all walking around like shell-shocked, like... After spending almost three years of your life just, you know, doing it a certain way and approaching it in a certain manner, and now to be like, okay, we're here. Yeah. And now we have to figure out how to be sick. Yeah. And live life. Yeah. Definitely in our household, it was interesting as both me and my husband got it the exact same time, and we have five children. And so, both being quite sick. Thankfully, I was a little bit, my husband had it pretty rough, but yeah, trying to run a household. Yeah. And, and kids were still online. Like you were still doing yes. online learning. So yes. you were my both kids sick. kids were still in school, yes. And kids were doing <laughs> school. Also, I just want to reference, you said we were kind of hoping for it because I don't know how many people outside of China understand that for those of us inside of China, for the last three years, we haven't really been able to leave. So we, many of us have babies that have met, never met grandparents and we haven't seen our parents in literally years because leaving China for a long time, if we left, we literally could not get back. There, there were, they were not issuing yeah, people's visas. visas were getting canceled. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and then even once that, even once they were issuing the visas, it required a rather lengthy quarantine with, so a quarantine in government facilities with your family split up. So often like one parent would take half the kids and the other parent would take the other half the kids. And that could be anywhere from, you know, seven days to four weeks. And so just depending on the time and the city and all that. So it's been a difficult couple of years and we are looking forward to joining the rest of the world. Like that's been kind of the bright spot in all of this. But yeah, none of us ex expected that it would just happen quite so quickly. So let's let's delve into some of these questions that are specific to breastfeeding moms. 
All right, so let's just talk a scenario. A mom is breastfeeding, she has a young baby, and she starts running a fever. Can she continue to breastfeed her baby? Yes, the WHO, World Health Organization, strongly suggests that breastfeeding mothers should continue breastfeeding their infant, whether they are suspected or confirmed with COVID. But they do suggest whether you are suspected or you actually do have a confirmed case of COVID to go ahead and wear a mask and wash your hands before you pick up your baby. Breast milk has been studied and looked at and the COVID virus is not transmitted through the breast milk, but actually in the breast milk, and when a mother is exposed to COVID, whether she has symptoms or if she's asymptomatic, then the mother will produce antibodies. And those antibodies will then go into the breast milk. And so the baby who's drinking from the breast will get those antibodies from the breast milk. Okay. And so what actually happens is that milk coats the baby's mouth and the throat and the whole gut. And so it's theorized that that coating actually helps prevent and decreases the likelihood of the coronavirus to burrow into and attack the baby's system. Like, so the virus has to like burrow in and then it, the bodies would then start reacting to the virus. Okay. So that breast milk that has the antibodies in it helps prevent and decrease the likelihood of the baby himself getting the disease or being able to get over it quicker. So it came out of, I don't know, several months ago, maybe a year ago, that breastfeeding moms officially in China, breastfeeding moms could receive the vaccine. So mm -hmm. when a mom has a vaccine, the, the COVID vaccine, and then she's breastfeeding, does it act in the same way? Yes. Yeah, so it's similar. I mean, the way when we get a vaccine, our bodies react to that and then it will build up antibodies. And so then Hopefully, when we encounter the, the disease, we can fight against it. Our body already has some antibodies built up against it. It's similar with breast milk. When a breastfeeding mother receives a vaccine, the vaccine itself doesn't actually go and transmit through the breast milk. What happens is, in a similar way, when the mother actually has COVID, the vaccine causes the mother to have a reaction and builds those antibodies. So then those antibodies are then passed through the baby. So it is safe and encouraged for breastfeeding mothers to get vaccinated. So then continuing to breastfeed their baby, the baby will also receive those antibodies. The thing that is unknown is just how long does that you know, immunity mm, lasts mm -hmm. not only for the vaccinated mother, but in the breast milk and in the baby. Mm -hmm. Is it still possible to get the vaccine right now? Are, are vaccinations happening? Have you heard? I have not heard. And I think it all depends on your city. Yeah. In where we are, the vaccine places would not be open whenever there was testing, which in the last, you know, <laughs> We've been testing so frequently, you know, in the last year, basically, that the vaccine sites were more often closed than they were open. Oh, that's frustrating. 
let's say that a breastfeeding mom has not caught COVID yet. Mm-hmm. COVID is like really rampant. Is there yeah. <laughs> right now? Is there benefit to staying home and isolating? I mean, I because I because I'm kind of thinking through like I there was an official notice that was put out and it was saying like this current peak is going to go through the end of January and you know mm-hmm. so are breastfeeding moms looking at isolating at home for the next six weeks or so? That is something I would say is a personal decision for each each breastfeeding mom. I think it all depends on do they have to work? Mm. Do they have other children? Do they themselves have a condition that puts them more at high risk? You know, Mm -hmm. do they have any underlying conditions that she would want to try to avoid getting sick? As far as, you know, babies, a full-term healthy baby Mm -hmm. is not as high risk for being infected. You know, we've seen, you know, cases that are generally lighter in, in children but again, of course, no one ever really, no one wants or chooses to be like, yes, I want to get sick. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you have to live your life too. So yeah. it's not something that we necessarily need to to fear or or be scared. We just do what we can. We do our best. When we, when we come home, we wash our hands. If you do get sick, you wear a mask. And I think most places... When I go out right now, I see the majority of people actually wearing masks probably more faithfully than they were (laughs) before COVID. You know, we always had to wear a mask, Mm -hmm. but I think people are a little bit more committed to wearing it now than they were. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I was out yesterday and every single person was wearing a mask and wearing it correctly. Yeah. I was noticing that as well. We used to get kind of lazy and kind of pop it off whenever we weren't like right next to somebody. And now it's like everybody has them on. I wonder in a couple weeks or a month or, you know, like a little down the road as more and more people get it, whether you'll see less of that. I don't know. Okay. So going back to the breastfeeding mom, she hasn't contracted COVID yet. In another episode, I want to talk about, you know, this just kind of the dangers of oversupply and not pumping too much in general. But is this kind of a situation where a mom might want to maybe store up some extra milk just in case of something? Just in case she gets COVID. Me as a mom, I'm thinking, okay, if I get COVID and it goes bad and I have to go to the hospital and my baby has nothing to drink, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe this is a time when I would want to store up a bunch of extra Mm -hmm. milk. Yeah. So... I was just talking to Dr. Layla and she was saying that actually this variant that, you know, she's in Guangzhou. So she, I'm pretty certain that this is still the same variant, you know, Mm -hmm. that's all over China, but just like 1% of the cases are severe that they would need hospitalization. Mm -hmm. And so the likelihood that you are going to be that 1% is low, but it still is, you know, there's still that 1%, right? Mm-hmm. Most likely you're going to be able to stay at home and with your your baby, which is recommended that you do, even if you have COVID, to stay with your baby. You don't need to isolate Okay. And you don't need to pump and give a bottle. Actually, when you do that, it actually can increase the risk of 
um, exposing the baby to the virus because now you're dealing, instead of the baby directly feeding from the breast, now you're dealing with all the pump parts and the bottle and the nipple and, you know, the virus can, you know, get on all of that and then you're, you know, just increasing the exposure for the baby and mm -hmm. so if it's needed you you could have the baby come you know feed and then someone could you know take the baby after feeding but even that isn't as super necessary it all is depending on the situation of the the mom and the baby being separated from your baby can cause higher levels of anxiety Yes, it can increase your anxiety, which releases cortisol in the body, both in the baby and the mom. And that high, the, the, the raised cortisol level can decrease your ability to heal and get better quicker. Hmm. So you want that oxytocin levels to increase, which happens with, you know, the skin to skin and actually breastfeeding. Mm hmm releases that oxytocin which is that happy hormone and also the healing hormone so you want those to be happening while you're sick to help increase your the your body's ability to be able to fight and get better mm -hmm. okay so let's say that unfortunately baby does contract covid are the symptoms of a baby like with covid very similar i mean is there anything different that we're looking at in a baby for symptoms of COVID? So I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you how to diagnose for COVID. And mm -hmm. as a as a parent, also like self-diagnosing is, is not recommended. But with any sickness, you know, when you see your baby is not feeling well, you know, an elevated temperature, maybe, you know, there's irritability, maybe a little bit can have some sore throat, so they're having a little bit hard time swallowing. You know, we we can definitely tell as moms when our babies are not feeling well. And so, yeah, when we see that, we want to continue to breastfeed. We want to make sure that the baby is staying hydrated. And, you know, depending on the age of the baby, you know, breastfeeding exclusively up until six months, so the baby should only be getting breast milk even when the baby is not feeling well you want to continue if the baby's stomach gets upset and can't keep a lot of you know they're vomiting maybe you want to just you know shorten the breastfeeding or allowing your baby to feed and following cues okay but maybe you'll want to in increase the number of times so so frequency. You know, if your baby's yeah, if your baby gets sick, you can, you know, or when I say sick, I mean like vomit. You can if your baby wants to go ahead and and nurse again, you can go ahead. But trying to encourage slow and frequent nursings. Okay. Yeah. So and another thing that we're really worried about when a baby gets a fever is dehydration, mm -hmm. and so you you want to avoid that. Always consult with a doctor when you, you know, are administering medicine. And if you, if there's any questions of what the baby needs, you know, for medication or, you know, do you have any concerns, 
please go ahead and go in and see your doctor, bring the baby to the doctor. Mm -hmm. Things to look for with uh, dehydration is, you know, the decrease of fluid intake, so they're not drinking as much or frequently. Um, also, a decrease in output, so they're not peeing very frequently. You're looking for like young babies don't actually cry tears, but you know, in older babies, if they're no longer like crying any tears, that could be a sign of dehydration, dry mouth, or like wrinkly skin, the fontanelle, which is on the top of the head, be sunken in, the skin is clammy and cool, the eyes be sunken in, fast breathing, and a very high fever. These are all things to be looking for. Looking at the baby also, like, lethargic and listless. Yeah, these are all warning signs of the baby is dehydrated and you definitely want to be going in and seeing your doctor as soon as possible. I'm just going ahead and looking up online as we talk to you about symptoms of dehydration in a baby. So I want to put this in the show notes mm -hmm. that, so I, I often like to look at Cleveland Clinic. I feel like they just communicate pretty well. Mm -hmm. And so I just found one. So I'm going to go ahead and we'll put that in the show notes if anybody is concerned. Like Jacqueline said, make sure you contact a doctor. But we also know the reality in China is that sometimes that can be a bit difficult or there can be communication problems. So make sure you, you know, go on your mom's instinct. If you're worried, like head to the hospital and then we'll have this website as well. And these are kind of the symptoms especially the ones Jacqueline listed, like these are ones that you want to go pretty immediately. You know, if you start seeing some of these severe symptoms of dehydration, which is, I think, one of the bigger risks, right, with having a high fever mm -hmm. in a baby, um, these are ones to go like immediately. These aren't ones like, well, we'll just see how it is in the morning kind of things. Mm hmm also, I started to say babies under six months is only breast milk and mm. you don't want to, to give water. And babies between six and 12 months, each baby is a little bit different, but typically they're starting to have some table food. And so even with that, in that age, there's only a little bit of water. So breast milk is still the preferred way to hydrate your baby. I'm just thinking about my babies that have been sick in the past and other cool things that people have suggested. A baby that's not feeling good, could you possibly, I know you said ideally is breast milk, like you're breastfeeding directly, mm -hmm. but some other things people have suggested are like making little like popsicles kind of with the breast milk or mm -hmm. um, yeah, different things to kind of soothe the throat while still giving breast milk. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of other yeah. interesting ways to get breast milk into a baby that maybe just doesn't feel very good? Yeah, I mean, every baby and every situation is is in their own way unique. So some babies, you know, maybe a mom has been to work and so they have been pumping and so that baby may prefer the bottle mm. over a breast. Mm -hmm. And so that's okay. Whatever your baby is willing to do to get to continue to breastfeed, to get breast milk in them. That is definitely what you want to do in those, those days when they're not feeling super well. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, this just came to mind. If you've talked to your doctor and you do find that your baby needs to have a fever reducer and that's been issued to you, mm -hmm. because when my second baby was 
under three months, I think he got a really high fever and we had to go to the emergency room in America and we were having the hardest time getting him to take the medicine. So they suggested using a syringe and putting it like mm -hmm. in the back corner of the mouth. If you put it in like at, towards the tongue, then they'll often just push it out because they yeah. have that thrust reflex. So yeah. again, like make sure you're checking with the doctor about dosages and stuff, but sometimes using a syringe and then doing it in tiny, tiny, tiny increments. I remember it would sometimes yeah. take like 10 or 15 minutes because we're just putting a couple drops in the back corner of his mouth and getting him to get that down and you know, sometimes I would do that and then breastfeed him a little bit. So he was like really swallowing it down and a couple more drops. Those are some like handy tips that we've had in the past. Of yeah, actually getting an infant to take medicine because that can be really hard. Yeah. Okay. So I'm hearing things all over the place as far as like what medications are safe to use while breastfeeding. Why are there different opinions and how can somebody know whether something's safe or not? Yeah. That's a that's a good question. So a lot of doctors here, they are, I mean, we've talked about this in previous episodes, are very risk averse. And so there's not a a ton of research done on with breastfeeding mo mothers and the milk. So there is there has been some research done with how much uh, medicine can be transmitted through the breast milk and then how does that affect the baby and so medicines are divided up and looked at uh, as how much research has been done on these different mm -hmm. things and so things like ibuprofen and acetaminophen that there's a lot of research out there and it shows that those are completely safe um, they with medicine they categorize them in five different levels. Level one is the safest. They have a lot of research on it and it says that they're compatible with breastfeeding. Then there's level two. There's maybe not quite as much research, but the medicine is still compatible or they believe that it still is compatible, but it just doesn't have as much research as the mm -hmm. level one medications. Level three, oftentimes they'll say it's probably compatible by looking at the medication and seeing how it works, you know, reacts in the body and breaks down its half-life and all of that. But there just isn't enough research to say, yes, it is safe or not. So a lot of medications out there could be that level three where they're like, mm, maybe, but it just, they can't say for certain that it is for sure safe. Mm-hmm. If you go to your doctor and your doctor gives you medicine, they are not a lactation specialist, so they don't know the compatibility of breastfeeding and the drugs. Mm -hmm. So they will often maybe say to be on the safe side, don't breastfeed while you take this medicine. In these cases, I would highly suggest to reach out to a lactation specialist so that they can help guide you and look up whether a drug is safe and compatible with breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. I also think that a lactation specialist can often go into what the risks might be for your particular yeah. situation, whereas a doctor yeah. might just look at it and say, okay, this is a blanket across the board, but a lactation specialist might be able to kind of break it down a little bit more because that's yes. that's their, their specialty. That's their job. Just one more question because mm -hmm. I hear like these kind of nasal ones, mm, for instance, yeah. 
Sudafed, why are those ones considered not as safe in breastfeeding? Yeah, so those are not recommended because it can affect the mother's milk supply. Typically, it is temporary, but what it's doing is drying up all of your mucus, and so it also dries up the milk supply. So mm -hmm. for a mother who is trying to continue to breastfeed, taking something like Sudafed is not recommended is actually contraindicative of breastfeeding so that would be one medication that you would want to avoid so Jacqueline a question was asked in our WeChat groups this family has chosen to co-sleep with their baby mm -hmm. um and but now they have COVID and they're wondering can they keep co-sleeping are medications that they might be taking going to make them sleepier to where maybe that wouldn't be a safe situation? Yeah, so a number of people choose to co-sleep, and I always try to address this, whether someone is intentionally, you know, going into breastfeeding and they're, they're going to co-sleep, or whether they actually are intending not to co-sleep. I do always try to cover safe sleeping, co-sleeping. Okay, so basically, first we want to address it they are co-sleeping according to like the safe sleep seven, mm -hmm. the general guidelines for a family that's chosen to co-sleep. Yes. So just want to say these things of, you know, always an exclusive breastfeeding relationship, but should be happening. The baby should be on their back. There should be no swaddling. There should be no use of drugs or alcohol, no smoking. The bed should be dressed appropriately should be firm, not a lot of pillows and blankets. Just to put that out there, this is the safe practice of when someone is co-sleeping, but oftentimes I will address and talk about it even if you don't intend because we all know as moms, breastfeeding can be tiring and when you're feeding through the night, it's often a mother will fall asleep while breastfeeding. And so actually being in a bed is the safest place. And you don't want to sleep with a baby in an armchair or on the couch as baby can get stuck into cracks and things. So when parents and a family have chosen to co-sleep and then sickness is involved, actually continuing to co-sleep can increase your amount of sleep because mm -hmm. you're not having mm -hmm. to get up and sit up and breastfeed and then get the baby and then put the baby back. You can safely feed and a lot of moms can do it while they're sleeping. So in this case, yes, we're talking about co-sleeping and COVID, so the mother is not feeling well, right? Continuing to breastfeed and to co-sleep, I mean, with your baby while you have COVID can help increase your amount of sleep that you're getting as you're, you know, fighting this infection. Talking specifically about medicine, the medicine that would make someone drowsy is, is typically a medicine that we would avoid in breastfeeding just because it, it can impair our ability to be as attentive to our children as we're needed. Typically, that medication wouldn't be recommended while breastfeeding anyways. So speaking of having the, the safe sleeping scenario, I happen to remember a story of when you guys had the 
strep throat infection of the century. Do you remember that? Thank you. Yeah. Were you were you pregnant oh, yeah. with? <laughs> yeah, I just had found out I was pregnant with my third, and so I had a three and a half, four four year old, and a one year old, just barely one year old baby. And yeah, both of my husband and I, and my two children, we all got super sick with strep throat. And so yeah, we actually pulled our mattress out into the living room so that we could sleep and and kind of keep an eye and ear out while we were kind of just like a little bit out of it to make sure that our children were safe. As parents, you just kind of need to do what you can do to survive during those six days. It's not fun. You're not feeling well. If you're able to take some like pain medication fever reducer that can often help to um, help you feel a little bit more comfortable so then you can you know be a little bit more with it to know what's going on with your your kid as well yeah i just have this picture because i think we brought some food over to you guys and you were just so ill but i had i always thought that was such a wise decision to just make kind of the whole area safe so to speak so that you could all kind of yeah. just crash and i just want to kind of come back to what we were saying a little bit ago we're all going to have to do what we can with the information that we have. I've just seen a yeah. lot of comments of people really getting really stressed maybe about their fever going really high or medicine that they took or whatever. But, you know, as much as possible, be in contact with your doctors. But at the same time, we're doing the best we can with the information that we have and trying to relax yeah. <laughs> a bit and lower our cortisol, lower our anxiety as much as possible mm -hmm. and really facilitate healing and rest and bonding with our family and trying not to stress over every little thing. I know that's much easier said than done, especially, you know, with what's going on right now and everybody around us being sick at the same time. Yeah, I think there's just been a lot. I mean, we've just spent three years fighting against and trying to keep out this disease and it can put in our mind like how scary this is and I'm not going to mitigate like was and can be very scary but I think the variant that we are now mm -hmm. facing is is likened to a cold and the flu but if you remember we've been isolating ourselves for three years so a lot of us haven't been <laughs> sick for three years. And so I think there's a lot of moms now, this is the first time that their babies have been sick ever or they themselves. Like I was like, I was laying in bed and I was like, oh my goodness, I've forgotten how to be sick just because I haven't <laughs> been sick for so long. One of my friend's six-year-olds became sick with just a cold. It was like a week or two before everything went down with COVID. And yeah, <laughs> their whole family got this little cold, but the six-year-old got it and she hadn't been sick in like recent memory. You know, as a six-year-old, your memory's only so long, right? Yeah. And so she goes to her mom and she's like, am I, is there a cure for this? Like, <laughs> should we go to the doctor and find <laughs> the cure? And then her mom's like, no, it's just a cold. You'll get better. And then her next question was like, will I be better by spring? Like, how long is this going to last? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So thankfully, it seems like this variant of COVID is, you know, it, it took my husband, he was sick mm, a good six, seven days. And it, it seems typically that that's how long this, this is going on. We both saw ups and downs of, you know, one day are feeling better. Actually, no, my husband did not see any ups. He was just <laughs> down. <laughs> I saw ups and downs of, okay, I'm feeling better. And then the next mm -hmm. day I was like, oh no, <laughs> I need to, to rest a little bit mm -hmm. more. So yeah, definitely we're learning how to be sick and taking care of our little ones. I, I did want to mention about the WHO recommends that when you have COVID, you wear a mask, right? I, I had a mom talk about this, you know, like, so I'm supposed to wear a mask and wash my hands and, you know, trying to decrease the, you know, exposure mm -hmm. risks and when, it, when breastfeeding, sorry, I'm specifically talking about when breastfeeding your baby. Again, back to like the co-sleeping thing, they're like, am I supposed to be wearing a mask while I'm sleeping in bed? So as professionals, as doctors, as lactation consultants, we speak in ideals, mm -hmm. you know, like ideally you're going to always wear a mask when you're breastfeeding. You know, as the mom, you have to live every day with this. And so each family has to figure out, you know, how you're going to be able to handle this situation. You're not feeling well. The baby's not feeling well. You're going to have to, you know, take this information and, you know, what you're saying best that you can do with the information that you have. And then, you know, so maybe practically sleeping with a mask if you're co-sleeping is not maybe the best choice, you know, for you. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, we're trying our best, but the likelihood that your baby was exposed to your germs you know, you got sick today, you got confirmed with COVID today. So now you're wearing a mask, but yesterday you were kissing your baby mm -hmm. and hugging them and, you know, all up in their face. So the likelihood that they've already been exposed to your germs is, is extremely high. Doctors, professionals, they're going to be giving these ideals. Yes, this is, this is what we recommend, but remembering that you as a mom have to figure out what's best for you and your situation and how you're going to cope with COVID and get better. Yep. And we will get through this. We're going to get to the other side. Yeah, definitely. Well, Jacqueline, thanks for answering some of these questions and kind of the why behind different things. So I think to sum up, it kind of comes down to if you're breastfeeding, keep breastfeeding your baby. <laughs> Even if you get COVID, keep breastfeeding your baby. And if your baby gets COVID, then you should keep breastfeeding, breastfeeding your baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with everybody tonight? I would just encourage everyone try and stay safe and not panic. Continue to breastfeed. Even when you're sick, just Remember that being together with your baby, relaxing and breastfeeding helps release the oxytocin in your body and promotes healing. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I look forward to chatting with you on our next recording yeah. and uh, stay safe, everyone. Yeah. Thanks, Jacqueline. Till next time. Till next time. 
Bye. Okay, now I'm starting to get self-conscious about what he's gonna put at the ending. <laughs> Shout out to Nathan. He's the best editor. <laughs>